Hello, and welcome to the treehouse. Today, I have a big treat for you. You guys, today I have the privilege of bringing one of the world's best brothers on the show. Yep, you guessed it. He's one of my big brothers. Now, before we get into the episode, I wanted to give you a quick update. This episode was actually recorded way back toward the end of summer and had to sit frozen in time before season two kicked off. So certain current events will make more sense from this context, but I also wanted to brag that this brother of mine has been traveling the U.S. and selling tons and tons of his latest book at amazing speaking events, and you probably have even seen or heard him on your favorite conservative networks and podcasts. Now, I'm sure we will have to bring him back and cut loose with childhood stories and sibling fun, but for this episode... I pick his brain on some amazing topics that are so important for us parents raising up this next generation. Enjoy the episode. Here we go. Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well-equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. All right, guys, welcome back to the treehouse. Today, I have someone incredibly special to me. It is Lucas Miles on the show. So Lucas is my brother. I'm going to introduce him how the rest of the world knows him. Uh, But he has been someone in my life as my big brother that has taught me almost everything. I could list a lot of things, but he taught me how to ride the bike. Uh, He taught me how to really be married. He ordained my husband and or he was the ordained pastor for my husband and I's wedding. So I could go on and on about uh, how much I adore him. But he is a trusted voice in the American church who has consistently addressed some of the most challenging topics we hear about in theology, politics, culture. He hosts the Church and State with Lucas Miles, incredible show, uh, which was named 2023 Program of the Year. I had the honor of being there when he received that award. And uh, in addition to his newest book, Woke Jesus, the False Messiah Destroying Christian or Destroying Christianity, uh, he's also an ordained minister since 2004. So he's actually my youth pastor, Um, So I have the great honor and um, privilege of introducing him to this audience today. So welcome to the Treehouse, Lucas. Hey, good to be here and definitely good to be with you. (laughs) Awesome. So why don't we start out by talking about your latest book? Because I think that is kind of the the hot button I really want to address first. Yeah, so and it's funny because the title, like unless you see the subtitle, you don't know which way it's going to go. You know, I have I've had people like that are um, 
conservative that see that there's somebody who wrote this book, Woke Jesus, and they immediately assume that it's, you know, kind of promoting Jesus as woke. Uh, but the yes. subtitles you mentioned is The False Messiah Destroying Christianity. And Woke Jesus is really, um, I would like to think that it's the definitive guide to understanding uh, wokeism, specifically within the church. I go through the history of it, beginning in the 1700s, kind of working your way forward. Um, all the modern implications of wokeism from, you know, critical theory, critical race theory, globalism. Uh, we look at kind of critical uh, climate theory. Um, you know, talk about COVID, talk about uh, vaccines, talk about the whole thing, and specifically the theology of this, and and really, uh, you know, and then line it up to to uh, the biblical worldview. You know, how does this message from the Christian left? How does it actually stand up to Scripture? And then ultimately, the end of the book is sort of a. Um, an exploration of what I call this quest for the biblical Christ, really pushing through all the noise, pushing through all the, you know, all the hearsay, all the, the political talking points, all the identity politics in order to get to the real, you know, crux of the issue. And that is the person of Jesus himself. So um, that's kind of uh, the, 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 it in a nutshell, it's number one on several lists on Amazon still. Uh, it's been a bestseller there, and uh, it's only been out for about a month, but uh, published through Humanix, which is Newsmax's publishing arm. They've just been a great partner with me and uh, excited to uh, bring it to your audience. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's it's doing super well. I am, to be honest, I'm not through it. I am most of the way through it, uh, but I have it right here. Uh, for, you know, if this makes it on video, I haven't decided yet if it's going to be on YouTube or not. I don't know if I want to go that deep into my editing realm and capabilities. <laughs> but uh, Luke, if you could do some, you know, go into you in, in the book, go into really deep history. I mean, really, mm -hmm. really deep. And this is one of those books that, you know, listeners, if you pick it up, you're going to want a tablet, a notebook, uh, a dictionary. Um, you know, it's it's a really intense read, uh, but you really get to the heart of the matter. But for the sake of this conversation, could you give us a brief history of kind of where wokeism all began? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, first off, just you know, maybe kind of tying a bow on the on the book section, you know, of, of it, it's the the completion of this or the creation or intent behind it. You know, in writing this, I had the option of do I kind of take the more academic approach and put together this definitive guide or do I, you know, kind of put together the the light version that, you know, can kind of appeal to mass audience mm -hmm. and and you know, I really I, I don't I don't think that I blended the two. I'd like to think that I created something that's definitive but still can appeal to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it, it's it's a lot. There's a lot there and I know that it's it's not um you know, it's probably not the book that you can read in a room full of people where everybody's talking and you're, you know, kind of like trying to multitask and mm -hmm. relax a little bit. You know, it's it is a um, you know, it's it's robust. It's, you know, really I really sought out to have something that was as conclusive as possible on this material. And because there's so much here and the the heart behind this is simple. It's that the reason why we've struggled to recognize wokeism in the church, recognize these false ideologies, the reason why we've struggled to refute these ideas is because we don't understand them. Yeah. And the reason we don't understand them is because wokeism and critical theory in general is purposefully um, confusing. 
the goal is basically to use and, and misuse language and to change terms and definitions as often as possible to try to throw people off. And, you know, so if we're talking about what is the history of this, um, you know, th- this term woke, uh, it's got some reference. We could go back to, I think there was some, you know, uh, usage of that in the civil rights movement. There was some usage of that actually in music. I think it's a blues music before anything. Um, but, you know, a modern implication of it is essentially wokeism is a is a euphemism for cultural Marxism. That's basically what it is. It's just sort of uh, another way of saying cultural Marxism. And so what is cultural Marxism? Cultural Marxism is this 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 influence, this evolution of critical theory stemming from the uh, philosophy and really theology of Karl Marx from the late 1800s, kind of work how and how it worked its way in. Uh, wokeism really intersected with the church, um, or should say it this way, critical theory intersected mm-hmm. with the church through uh, liberation theology, which was a uh, a form of Catholicism and Christi- or in, and Marxism. So you took uh, it, there was a priest named Gutierrez in Latin America that that um, was a, a fan of Marx and he was also a priest and he sought for a way to kind of combine those two things together. Uh, in America, it took on the form of Black Liberation Theology with mm-hmm. James Cone. Um, and the, the the history of it matters, but I think where a lot of people are most invested is the the more recent ramifications of mm-hmm. this. And you know, we wouldn't have critical race theory if we didn't have James Cone and Black Liberation Theology. I mean, his his work was directly responsible, you know, for the development of critical race theory. Uh, we wouldn't have critical race, or we wouldn't have critical queer theory that we have today if we didn't have critical race theory. Mm-hmm. These things have been building on each other, and you know, so it's in many ways. This, this, these critical theories, they're all the same, but they always have a different sort of oppressor versus oppressed framework. So mm-hmm. in critical race theory, it's, it's, you know, black versus white in, and, uh, or specifically they would say white versus black, uh, in James Cone's, uh, black liberation theology, it's white theology against black experience in, um, you know, in liberation theology in the Catholic church, it's the rich versus the poor. And, you know, with Marx, it was the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. In critical queer theory, it is straightness versus queer. Um, critical fat theory, you know, which is a thing now, is that, you know, it is um, – actually just saw a new one today. It's critical um, librarian theory or something like that. I haven't read the article. Somebody just sent it to me. It was like a whole new thing, basically, that, you know, I think that libraries are racist or something, how it's set up. I, I, haven't, I haven't dove into it fully. I'll have to, you know, dive into that. But uh, but all of the, it's the same thing. It's just over and over again, looking for a new, essentially what, what um, you know, communists and socialists would refer to as useful idiots, you know, to be the thing that kind of takes the the focus there in the center, but really it's just an excuse to kind of dismantle the Western way of life, dismantle Judeo-Christian framework that we live in, you know, dismantle America. And so um, I think that parents, you know, uh, um, that are very um, involved in their children's future, that maybe they're homeschoolers, maybe they're, maybe they're just active, you know, parents that their kids are still in public school, but they have a watchful eye over everything. Like we need to understand this stuff because it Mm -hmm. has real life implications like today, on what your children are learning, what they're seeing in cartoons, what they're seeing in movies, what they're you know learning in, at the schoolhouse, and so um, you know. Uh, but but my focus of the book is more the the faith aspects of this, and then how that worked its way into Christianity, 
to really start distorting the church because now we have all these woke pastors out there and yeah. and they've gotten to the point to where I, I think there's there's a massive divide in the church, almost if not more so a bigger divide now than there was during the Protestant Reformation, where churches are split over woke church versus biblical church, mm-hmm. and or we could call it historic Christianity. Um, and and all of this is is really geared to create that division and to you know dismantle the influence of the church in this nation. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that framework that you laid. So, I mean, you, you know, that we kind of accidentally ended up in a church that it's, it's hard to say that they're fully woke. I think there are woke participants. I think there's woke, uh, elders, um, and deacons at the, at the church that we were going to, um, a while back, uh, just after COVID kind of happened. And, for those, you know, those different parents that I talk to, gosh, like, can you speak to how do you know for sure? I mean, going just a couple times to a church yeah. or in a school or, you know, whatever these these places of organization, I think of children's camps that they go to over the summer that you're just kind of sending your kid off in faith that, oh, it's a Christian church or it's it's a camp at a Christian place. It's totally fine. I mean, can you speak to that? Like, yeah. what do we need to be mindful of? Like, how can, what are the red flags that we can see as parents? You know, you want to be, you know, you want to be somebody that sees, like, if it's called Christian, that it's safe or mm-hmm. if it has like the word church in it, it must be safe. It's a good thing. And, or if they say, I believe in Jesus and you know, like that, that should be okay. That should be, you know, a safe thing. But now you have to ask like, what kind of church you have to ask? Well, even it's not just denomination anymore, but like, okay, so they're Methodist, but like, what kind of Methodist? Like, are yeah. they the woke Methodist or are they the, the global conservative Methodist group, you know? Uh, and so those things become a lot more important even to say like, and this is, you know, kind of the heart of the book is like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, which Jesus do you believe in? Do you believe in the Jesus of black liberation theology, the black Christ? Do you believe in the white Jesus of Aryan Christianity and the Nazi uh, party? Do you believe in, you know, socialist Jesus, hippie Jesus, queer Jesus, or do you believe in like the biblical Christ? And so, you know, it's very easy for this to be deceptive because you go into a church and they're singing songs about Jesus. They're talking about God and everything feels fine at first until you start diving a little bit deeper and then you start seeing these elements of wokeism play out. It's really important, I think, and, and in order to be fair to people, that we have to like recognize that wokeism exists on a spectrum. It's mm-hmm. not just like somebody, you know, that it's not everybody who has any sort of woke ideology in them. Like that doesn't mean they're all like going to like, you know, like these backroom like Marxist meetings trying to take over the United States. Like most, in fact, most people who have adopted, you know, elements of, of wokeism, I think, especially within Christianity, I don't, I think they, they think that somebody like me, like that, this is just, Oh, like nobody's actually trying to take down this nation. Nobody's actually trying to divide the church. Like you're just, you know, creating all this, you know, conflict that's not really there. And, and that's because wokeness exists on a spectrum. There are people who are, activists, agitators who are, you know, putting money into specifically creating chaos and disruption in these organizations and within within Christianity, within America. Uh, a lot of those have connections to communist, you know, um, uh, Chinese Communist Party. They're connected to, you know, major leftists, you know, billionaires and these sorts of things. We hear the Soroses of the world. Uh, but where I think a lot of people are is they just they've they've 
believe these lies that are somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they've struggled to deal with issues of race. They've struggled to deal with issues of, you know, like the whole George Floyd thing during uh, COVID, like that was a major, like exposing moment for the church. COVID in itself was a major exposing moment for the sure. church. And the church like wasn't ready for those things by and large. And so you had people that have been, you know, trained in liberal theological Bible colleges, which a lot of our Bible colleges are that way today. And they didn't have a biblical framework to begin with. And these these events exposed that and and sort of, you know, gave them opportunity to kind of promote that and encourage them to promote these ideas a little bit more. So what are you looking for? First of all, if you were at the church when Roe v. Wade was overturned, mm-hmm. how did the pastor respond? Mm-hmm. Did it, was it acknowledged from the pulpit? Did anybody clap? You know, we had a standing ovation at our church, you know, when Roe was overturned, I was actually at uh, the Supreme Court. I was, I was one of the first probably hundred people to get to the Supreme Court the night that the leak came out, that it was going to be overturned. Um, and so like, you know, this was something that was as a, as a, evangelical as a believer as somebody who's pro-life like that was that was an exciting moment you know for the nation yeah. um and and you know how did they respond to all of the race conversations did they fly the blm flag you know are they flying a pride flag like those are the obvious ones like if you're going to church and they have a pride flag or they have a blm flag like go home you know just go someplace <laughs> else like you know i mean it's time to go elsewhere um if you you know look at your pastor's instagram did, you know, go back to 2020, did he have a black square on Instagram supporting BLM? Like the problem is not if they had a black square. The problem is if now, because it was so confusing, there was so much pressure at that time, a lot of people didn't know what to do. The problem is not that somebody thought, well, I want to support, you know, uh, um, you know, and be part of the cause here. The problem is after they found out that BLM was not about helping people of color, and it was not about um, issues of, of race and opportunity and these things, that it was really a Marxist organization that was, you know, has already multiple times, there's been a lot of evidence that they've been embezzling money and, and uh, that, you know, mishandling of funds, misappropriation, buying mansions, all the stuff that we've seen. And, and that they were very focused on dismantling the nuclear family, which they talked about in their, mm-hmm. in their uh, um, you know, kind of belief statement. And they were also there to promote the trans movement within communities of color uh, was another thing that they said themselves on their website. And you found out very quickly, like, this is not what everybody was told that it was. If the pastor mm-hmm. still has the black square on Instagram, they're either like just lazy and they've not gone back and gotten rid of it. Or they've not been willing to acknowledge it was wrong or they still don't think it was wrong what they did. And that's another reason to go find someplace else. And I would tell you, a lot of our major pastors in this nation um, still have a black square on Instagram. They haven't addressed it. They haven't taken it down. They haven't recanted it. They haven't apologized for it. And and I think that that's reason to go elsewhere. Um, I think that on a simpler level... You know, uh, churches that identify with social justice, you know, over kind of um, uh, like gospel focused, you know, messaging, I think should be you should be leery of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Social justice is code for um, critical theory within the church. 
And at one time during the 90s, like it kind of made sense. Like I remember I was starting to get into that to some degree. We were starting to use some of that language um, and very, you know, in early 2000s. But, you know, it's it's been seen for what it is now. It's Marxism that is hijacking the church. It's a parasite that's attached itself to the church. If your church said, if you don't wear a mask, you can't come. Mm-hmm. If your church, you know, forced everybody for two years to sit, you know, 12 feet apart or whatever, or if they stopped meeting and it took them until like 2022 to start services again, mm-hmm. like it's probably not a place you should be going. It doesn't mean they're bad people, um, but it, it means that there would be some doctrinal concerns because they don't understand and value certain things like free will and national sovereignty and, and you know, what we call sphere sovereignty I write about in the book. And mm-hmm. I can unpack some of that more, but that, that's at least, you know, some of the things that I would be looking for. That's awesome. What about the church that that doesn't do either? That the it's yeah. the lukewarm church that just refuses to pick a side. So it's interesting. Um, I actually just had this conversation a little bit the other day. So there is a belief that exists, and I see this with a lot of conservatives. So they a lot of probably even a lot of your audience has heard this before. That basically, if a church is a five hundred one c three nonprofit then that means that they're being controlled by the government. And these pastors who are biblically conservative, they're just cowards. And they didn't speak out. They didn't get involved. They kept their head down. They were afraid of what was going to happen. And I would say that in 99% of cases, that is a complete, like, it's a straw man argument. It's it's a fallacy. That That's not really what happened. Um, I am somebody, like, you know... Like, I can tell you that I don't know one pastor who has a biblical worldview that cares about current events and the state of the nation who was like, man, I really, I want to do something, but I just feel like there's too much pressure and there's too much, (laughs) there's too much heat on me right now. I'm going to lay low. Like that guy doesn't exist in this nation. Like he's not a real person. He's not out there. And so, and, and and what people are trying to do is they're trying to somehow understand because they they see the pa- the problem is the pastors. They they know that the problem is the pastors in a lot of ways, and they're trying to like find a reason to be able to mentally like understand like how these pastors didn't speak out, and so they've just determined that there's cowards out there. There's not many pastors who are cowards. There are pa- pastors are actually probably in many cases some of the more um, uh, people that have more developed thought and confident about what they believe. They're dogmatic in many ways, um, and they're not cowards. They're just living out their worldview. And those that that went that went woke, they were already leaning that direction, and they just lived it out. Um, those that didn't say anything, they have a worldview that the church shouldn't talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. They're living out their worldview. They're not being cowardly. They're deceived. They're, mm-hmm. they're, um, they don't, they don't understand the role of the church. They don't understand the role of the nation. They, they just are ignorant about these things. They've bought, you know, a bill of goods about it. They're completely deceived about it. 
um, very, very few of them are cowardly. Those that are bold, that understand, that are you know uh, um, involved in these things, that they're going to stay involved because that's their worldview. Uh, and they probably got you know. And so COVID and and BLM and all this stuff, like it it expo. It, it's like putting lemon juice on like food. <laughs> It's going like you don't taste the lemon juice. You taste the 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 food comes out more. Or putting salt or something on like mm-hmm. the food, the flavor of the food pops out more, uh, and it helps you to be able to see it. So like like COVID didn't make somebody a certain way. It just exposed what they were. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that like there are great pastors out there that aren't politically involved. There's great pastors out there that that have bought this lie that that you know abortion and and um, you know marriage and gender and sexuality that all these topics are political topics and that the church shouldn't talk about them. That's a lie. These aren't yeah. political topics first and foremost. They've been made. They've been politicized, but they are they're spiritual topics. They're theological topics first and foremost. And so like you you know that's that's a deception. And so like those that aren't talking about it they they just they're living out something that they believe now they might be lazy not wanting to research these things they might be somewhat blind they might be a lot of different things but i i think cowardly is not the 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 main way i would describe them although that's been popular to describe pastors like that before and that's not a defense of these pastors they're they're in the wrong mm-hmm. but they're in the wrong for a different reason than, mm-hmm. than like they're hiding and afraid. They're mm-hmm. in the wrong because they were deceived to start with because they had bad educations and and progressive educations to begin with. And and th- these things were never um, uh, brought to their attention to be something that's important. And so, you know, I, I don't know if that answers that fully, but like, you know, if your pastor's not involved in these things, I would say that, you know, they might be a good pastor when we're not in wartime. <laughs> but we're in wartime, you yeah. know, like yeah. there are, there, there are people that can sail ships, like when there's no storm mm-hmm. and then there's people that can sail, sail <laughs> seashells by the seashore. <laughs> there's people that can <laughs> sail a ship through a storm. And like, that's the guy that I want as the captain. Yeah. And yeah. so like, yeah, if there's no storm, you're probably fine. Like if sure. it's just like, hey, we went to VBS this summer and they did a nice series on the book of Matthew and like all that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no condemnation I have for that pastor. But I would say that when when we are in a theological storm, when we are in a cultural storm, when we're in a political storm, you need somebody at the helm of the ministry that you're you know devoting yourself to who can actually sail through and navigate choppy, rough waters because if you're not feeling that yet, you're going to. Yeah. Um, and 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 so I would say that it's not that these people are necessarily heretical or terrible people, but if they're not, if they're not willing or not able to do that now, uh, they're not going to be able to help you later on fully. And so I think that that has to come into play. That's really good. So listeners, find leadership, find a church that can be there in the storm because we're in a storm. Yeah. We're totally in a storm right now. And it's not flesh and blood. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so segue into one of your more recent projects that yeah. I have a gigantic heart for. Um, can you talk just about the American Pastors Project? Yeah, I think it's an easy segue because this is really, in many ways, the solution to what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. that is that we have, um, part of my organization, we have launched this initiative called the American Pastor Project. And 
Um, and this is um, really a response to wokeism in the church. You know, just just very brief church history here, and I'll try not to go like too in the weeds with it because I I love to geek out <laughs> geek out on this stuff a little bit. But like every time that there was a church council or like uh, which was basically these main moments in history, like we think of the Council of Nicaea or or in the Catholic Church, you had the Council of Trent. Um, there were there were basically heretical views that the church, you know, was responding to. It was something that they believed that was happening that was wrong. And it was happening in enough places and often enough and it widespread enough that they would hold this council together and say, we have to do something to deal with it. You know, think about it. It's like a family meeting. It's like going, hey, we've, we're noticing that nobody's doing their dishes anymore and mom <laughs> has to do them every day. So we're going to hold a council of the were family and we're going to talk night? about this. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, and, and so... This is this is how these church councils operate. And so that each time the church council, what they're really doing is they are defining orthodoxy, which is basically just the right teachings of the church. But they were doing so because they were addressing um, what would be known as as heresy or, um, you know, uh, some sort of false ideology that that rose up. And so, like, really, like, we don't do this, though, very much anymore. Like, denominations kind of still do this to an extent. They're not very good at it, um, but they, they try to do it at least. But the American Pastor Project is really a way of, like, that we're trying to connect with the church globally, uh, or really, we could say, glo- like, universally within this nation here specifically right now, where we are calling pastors of every denomination to sign a statement of um, – uh, of what we call biblical orthodoxy, where mm-hmm. they're adhering to a biblical worldview. So they're agreeing with the Lordship of Jesus, the Trinity, heaven and hell, the depravity of man, or or some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, other denominations like would explain this as original sin or something. Um, but but that that man is is inherently, you know, depraved, and that, you know, we require salvation by grace through faith, through the work of the cross. You know, we have all these different elements of this in that we have God's created order, God as creator, uh, God as creator, creating a system of order in this world to prevent chaos through, you know, righteous governments, through the family, through church leadership. And so we've kind of unpacked these, what I call primary doctrine aspects that we are asking pastors to sign this. And, and, you know, here's the cool thing for some of maybe some of your audience that this, we define pastor for the purpose of this project very broadly, uh, Christian podcast hosts, Christian radio show hosts, uh, you know, uh, more traditional pastors, um, traveling worship leaders, um, uh, you know, uh, really, you know, somebody who's writing children's curriculum or something like that, a mm-hmm. um, uh, Christian author, any of these people qualify based upon the parameters that we set and we encourage them to sign. We want anybody touching church or anybody touching Christian doctrine to sign the statement. Okay. And in addition to signing that, they are also making a commitment to help eradicate wokeism from the American pulpit. Yeah. Um, and so we have regular conference calls with all of our pastors. We have about 400 signers so far. Wow. Uh, we just brought on um, uh, Jason Yates from My Faith Votes to talk to everybody. This actually this week we did a call. Uh, we have calls coming up with um, you know all sorts of you know great names. Uh, I don't want to drop all of them now. Some of them we're still negotiating <laughs> times for, but 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 some amazing national thought leaders that are going to be on these calls. 
uh, I believe it just confirmed Richard Harris from Truth and Liberty, which is nice. a Colorado based nice. yeah. uh, group. He's, I think, our next call that we have. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they give an opportunity to, to hear, to ask questions, to engage, to, uh, you know, to just connect on, on deeper levels. And we're partnering with some other national organizations with this. Just, uh, uh, just did a partnership with Liberty University, with the Freedom Center at Liberty University uh, that's coming alongside of this. We've got some other partnerships in the works. My Faith Votes has been a great partner of ours. Um, and, you know, this is uh, uh, the cool thing about it is that if you're not a pastor, you can take this website to your pastor. And, you know, if you want to know if your pastor's woke or not or where they stand on these issues, I don't know a better way than to bring them the website, AmericanPastorProject.org, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and say, hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> you know, is this something you'd – or have you signed this yet? Or is this something you'd be willing to sign? And if they're like, well, no, I think that was a little extreme for me. I wouldn't sign this. I would say it's time to go find a new church yeah. because there is nothing in our statement. It's not – this is not a political statement. This is not a statement for Trump or DeSantis. We're not trying <laughs> to push one of those candidates over another. Um, I, I, this is, this is a, this is a statement for Christian orthodoxy. And this is a statement about protecting the church. Um, the, the, you know, elections matter, all those things matter, but, but I believe that all of that flows downstream from our theology. So we have to start there. So I believe this is bigger than politics in that sense. Uh, and so, you know, take it to your pastor, see what he thinks. We also have a a church locator on the website. So you can go to AmericanPastorProject.org. And you can see if there's a church near you. Now, we're, we're still not everybody who signs it, mm-hmm. their church does mm-hmm. because of our system. It doesn't automatically go in there. So we're, we're literally adding churches almost like daily, some you know weekly sort of things. And so if you don't see your church yet, then feel free to send us an email or ask your pastor about it. And if they've signed it, we can get them listed and uh, and kind of build that database. But it's all denominations. We're hoping eventually to be able to organize the database by denomination. So you could say, hey, is there a Methodist church near me that's not woke? Or is there a Baptist church near me that's not woke? Because we know that people have preference references in those areas. So, and then we're working on a resource page too, that's going to be launching with all sorts of just incredible resources of just kind of curating the best uh, information out there on topics such as critical race and, and trans issue and, and, you know, um, how to respond to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, questions about Christian nationalism and, you know, all the stuff that comes up in this world so that people have really that kind of database of, of resources to go to. So that's really the heart behind it. Uh, We're in a process of raising about two and a half million dollars um, to to kind of launch this on at the level that we believe that it needs to get out there on a national uh, uh, phase. We've gotten front page Fox Digital. We've gotten all sorts of news coverage so far on it. Um, but if people want to get involved, they can head over to AmericanPastorProject.org. They can make a donation there. Uh, they can commit to you know monthly, one time, any of those things, and uh, or they could take it to their church. Uh, we also are looking for pastors and uh, people to be you know kind of representatives for like our first phase is to get a pastor in each of the. 50 states um, to basically be like the point pastor in each one of those states. And so we're going to do separate, more involved meetings with those guys as we kind of keep rolling this out uh, eventually to congressional districts and everything else. That's awesome, Lucas. Uh, Thanks for explaining that. I love the work that you're doing with that. I think it's just, it's beautiful. I love having that as a tool to point friends to and uh, the resources that they can find there as it builds. And that's just, it's really cool. And it's, it's fun to see like, Hey, we just saw that you were up on the website. Like, it's really cool to see the map and be able to go on there and like see, uh, like, I don't, I think there was like one or two 
uh, churches in California. When I last looked and I was talking to a friend mm. in California, I'm like, get your church on the list. They need to be yeah. on there. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. Um, before we go, what is something that you would advise parents raising kids in today's sideways culture yeah. uh, to really, you know, really what would you tell them as a pastor uh, in all the things that you've experienced along this journey of digging through all of this stuff? Like where's some encouragement to them and maybe some, you know, heads up, like this is what you need to, you know, watch for and make sure that yeah. you're feeding your kids these things. You know, look, if people are in the news cycle, I'm sure they've seen a lot of these things, but obviously you have to be very, very aware of what your kids are, like what input they have, you know, yeah. whether it be social media, YouTube, um, television, streaming, you know, um, platforms, you have to be very, very aware of that. Um, the commercials, the, the, the content within the shows, like, you know, like if you want to give your kids something safe to watch, like probably go back about 20 or 30 years and yeah. find like older shows that they can watch, you know, Bob like, you, yeah, <laughs> growing pains, you know, like yes. that kind of stuff, like old Saved by the Bell episodes. <laughs> like if, you know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of great older content out there that's safe. Now there's newer stuff too that's safe. Like, you know, we, we've, um, uh, you know, we've connected with some of the guys over at Angel Studios. Obviously they have a lot of great offerings. They just did the Sound of Freedom, mm -hmm. you know, movie, which, which very, you know, very, very powerful film. Um, Jim Caviezel has been on my show a couple of times in the past and, you know, just incredible actor and, and just individual. Um, there's, there's places like Pure Flix, um, mm -hmm. you know, love giving a shout out to, you know, our friend Candace Cameron Bray and, and the content <laughs> that she's creating. You know, uh, and I know probably a lot of your audience, you know, loves her. Um, you know, there's there's some great there's some great content developers, filmmakers, um, show creators that are making things that I think are really they're safe and they're family friendly. And they might not always be faith based, but they're 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 um, they're positive. They're, you know, enriching, you know, for kids lives and not going to be destructive. I think also like for me, a big thing is like really like finding a way to incentivize reading. And this is a big one for me is that, um, you know, if I, if I had, you know, kids in kind of a, a, let's say a junior high, high school age group right now, I would be looking for a, uh, a way to get them a Christian classical education. Like that mm -hmm. would be, that would be my number one thing that I would look for. And I'm, I, I love homeschooling. I think that it, there, if people are very, very, you know, attentive to it and they get good curriculum, it can be a very great experience. Mm -hmm. And the kids kind of have to drive that in terms of their ages. You want them to be able to socialize and find those other opportunities, you know, and, and most homeschool parents are very good at that. Um, but, but I think that like, like really look in the material, like you're, if you have a high school student, they at least should have read something, even if, even if a segment of Augustine, um, mm -hmm. they should read a, you know, there's, there's like, uh, you know, have they read anything from Plato? Have they read anything like, have they read the Bible all the way through? Mm -hmm. Have they like, there's a lot of like, like people used to be educated on these works. Like yeah. everybody was going to read Augustine's The Confessions. Everybody was going to read City of God. Everybody was going to read, you know, Plato. Um, you know, it was, these were just sort of no brainers. And if we could add, and I actually, I've made a list before of 25 books. And if I could find that, I'll send it to you and put it in the show yeah. notes or something, yeah. you know, awesome. for this, that, that, you know, um, that I recommend. But 
that's a big part. And I think you have to incentivize it. And I think back to like our dad, like, you know, now they weren't necessarily pushing like, you know, us to read Augustine. Um, but, you know, like there was opportunities for incentivizing reading. I remember one thing that like our dad did where, um, you know, he he made like it was kind of like two poster boards like stuck together. <laughs> I don't know if you have memory of this or not. And it was kind of like when you open up like the um, the advent calendars where you uh, kind of yeah. like, you know, grab the things. So he cut out all this stuff and it would be like something that we like it would be like do do 25 push ups, you know, and then you open it up and then there was like, you know, get this, you know, go to you get a free trip to the batting cages if you do that. Or, you know, if you read the book of James, you know, you get this other thing. And like it was just fun. It never felt like it didn't feel like work. It felt like it was learning goals. I mean, look, all of our, you know, you and I, as well as our brother, Josh, like we're all very like goal driven mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that that was instilled in us of like the, the purpose behind that. Um, but I think more than just instilling just the drive for goals in general or success in general, like, like the, the pursuit of wisdom is really what matters. Like that's the thing, like teaching your child how to be like, you know, like we all want, you know, kids that can be, um, you know, independent and can be, you know, uh, um, you know, high functioning and they can problem solve and they can do all these things. Like, yeah, we want all of that stuff. But I would say the thing that we want more than that is we want, we want children that grow up in the wisdom of God, that they are really equipped with a framework because you can't forecast everything that's going to come at them. At some point, the next thing is going to be something you've never seen before. You don't understand, you know, as all of us age, like technology gets, you know, like if you don't stay up on it, like we weren't, you know, our parents weren't preparing us for AI other than like if we accidentally watched the Terminator movie when they weren't watching or something like that, like, (laughs) like that, that, you know, but it's, it's out there now. And we, and like the only way you can have, like you can intersect with it is with wisdom Mm -hmm. of how to address it. And so you know, that's an important part of this. I think that also, um, you know, just, just being aware that there is a fight for like this next generation, like the enemy always comes after the children. And, and I don't want to get, you know, like there, obviously this with sound of freedom movie and there's all this kind of like, now they're, you know, it's like the world's divided over. It's like (laughs) kids are trafficked, you know, trafficked or not. Uh, and, and of course they are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, but but I think you can get into some really crazy conspiracy theories on on the far side of that too, and and I think that all that's there to like discredit, like mm-hmm. so that you don't. Mm-hmm. It's like if we can get people to all like if we if if the left can get everybody who's conservative to become QAnon, <laughs> then then anything that's conservative seems radical yeah. and and yeah. something you don't want. Yeah. And so I think that we as like conservatives and as Christians. We really have to ensure that, like, as scripture says, that we're not given to extremes. Yeah. We don't, we don't like shape our lives in such a way that we chase after every conspiracy theory or that we get irate every time we see something like, like, how do you love what is good, hate what is evil, rely on the wisdom of God to navigate these things, and then also do what scripture says of seek to live with peace with everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. when you can. Mm -hmm. Like all of that at times feels like it conflicts with one another. Um, But that's where wisdom comes in. And like we navigate this in a way that isn't just like a check the box. It's very fluid. Um, But I think that that's really the way forward. You know, like how do you push back against a, a pride parade? Like you can go up there and protest, 
or you can, you know, show up and have a prayer booth, you know, yeah. and have people like just see if people will stop by and talk to you. Yeah. And don't yell at them. Don't tell them they're perverts. Don't condemn them. Like I can go on the television shows and address the ideologies and how these wrong, how these are wrong thinkings. You know, we don't have, but, but when you're one-on-one with somebody, mm-hmm. like, can you actually operate in grace and truth yeah. at those moments? Or should I say this way, truth and grace, mm-hmm. you know, when you're at yeah. that spot. And so it's just, this is not a time for the faint of heart. It's not a time for those that, you know, have not been well-trained. Uh, a lot of people are going to struggle through what comes next. But I think that like learning to like, you know, have a real relationship with the Lord, you know, that your faith is cemented on and, and fixed on him and, and that you seek his wisdom on how to navigate this is going to be crucial, uh, not just for the parents, but also training your children in that same way. That's awesome. That's so cool. I just, I love reminding my kids to put on the armor of God too, because I think yeah. this next generation is going to be really needing all the tools in their tool belt and really knowing how to equip themselves with the Holy Spirit and walking in his strength and, and power and wisdom is, is an awesome, awesome thing when we have it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not something that is being taught in schools. You can't, can't really get it there. Um, so it's up to us parents to make sure that we are putting our kids in positions that they can, they can find it. They can grow in that way. So, huh, well, brother of mine, thank you so much for being in the treehouse today. And guys, go out and buy Woke Jesus. Uh, check out uh, Church and State with Lucas Miles. It's on Epoch TV. And uh, check out his other books. Um, and the and, American Pastor Project. Yes, yeah, American Pastor yes, Project. Get connected with that. Work. Get connected with the American Pastors Project. Send it to your pastor. Uh, get connected with that. If you're looking for a church or you're unhappy where you are, go there first. Reach out to him. Um, awesome. Very cool. All right. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, for- lo- love you too. And thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to uh, seeing uh, you guys and the kiddos here in a, in a couple weeks. Absolutely. See you soon. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook or Instagram at The Treehouse Storyteller so we can stay connected. Head on over to thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, artwork, photography, and encouragement. See you next time.